Thank you. So good to be here. I want to thank everybody for this opportunity again, once again, this evening. It may look like a different person up here, but it's not. We got the lights on now, so <laughs> I didn't know the lights still work. Anyways, just messing around. Probably shouldn't have done that, but just we're going to have a good time tonight, right? It's so good to be around and amongst friends and family to talk about things that stir the heart. Is that right? Things that really mean the most. Things and topics that will change our life. If we will move into the places and the arenas where Yahweh and the Holy Ghost are taking us. I'm, I have a burden tonight to, to speak on this subject that I'm going to speak on tonight. And it's on the billboard. And it just so happened that whenever Brother Mark asked if I would speak a couple whatever weeks ago, months, a month ago or so, this topic was pounding in my chest to enter the rest. And those that were here last week, we talked about Yeshua. We got the first love going. And, and you know, that's one thing about whenever you get the microphone, you kind of get to tell things from your point of view, from your perspective. And if we take different people's perspective and hear their heart when we know them especially, and we know that they have a good and honest heart, that they pursue the things of the Lord, that they've been found faithful, that they're diligent, they're a good person, they're a good citizen, but most of all, they're in love with their creator. When we know those people, and I know a lot of them here that fit that category, and their point of view and their perception on things is important. As we've walked together, as we've labored together, and as we've, there's you know, more poetic ways of saying just, just, been together a long time, a lot of us. And tonight, uh, you know, uh, it's just a perspective. It's my perspective. If anything more comes out of that, uh, it's wonderful. It's good. As far as where we are here in this house, a house that's very dear to all of us and a place that's very dear to all of us and people that are very dear to all of us. So I set all that up to say this. I'm 49 years old. This January, I'll be 50. I was born in 1969 and been here a long time, most of my life. The stories that I told a long time ago were when I was younger than Samuel. You know, I was a young teenager. But what's pressing on my heart tonight is the foundation that Apostle placed in us and how to move on and how to grow and how to, can, how to take that foundation and move forward. Because if we don't, you could say it, could, it would be in vain in our own life. And so that's why tonight I call it a burden. And it's something that he's been stirring in me, he being the Holy Spirit 
concerning times and seasons in my own life. And so if we look at 50, you know, and not that it has to be the 50th year, but just go with it as far as seasons go, times and seasons. It's Jubilee. And I'm just going to go ahead and just keep on going. It's, it's like I told you last week, I got a one-track mind at all Yeshua anyway. So Jubilee, Yeshua. Rest, Yeshua. Shalom, Yeshua. Peace, Yeshua. And here we go. The Sabbath is Yeshua. Now, it's just where I track. And people are like, what happened to the Holy Spirit? He's the one leading me to all this. It's like a, it, it, I mean, they're, 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 it's, it's not a competition. They're not, they're not in competition with each other. They really play a beautiful part together. And we're going to see some of that tonight. But in my own life and how, where I am as far as different things, and it's not about me tonight. I just want you all to know what's pressing me and how the foundation has been laid. And in my own life, Apostle got, got me right here where I am through the Holy Spirit, through love, through being a father. He's helped me. Yeah, there was all kind of, you know, blind upon line, precept upon precept, but the point is, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? And I tell you, I've been a little disappointed in myself on some things. But you know, the Holy Spirit's good, and He's, and he's faithful, and He's right on time. And one thing that really touched me and started some of this in me was when Joanne got up and spoke. Let's, let's tell Joanne how much we appreciate her. I mean, there's not a more, I mean, just the talent's unreal. But whenever Joanne got up, and there was so much, you know, at the funeral, and I'm going I'm to start, I'm going to move on, but I, I want you to know when she, said, when she talked about the handwritten note from Apostle that said, enjoy the journey. Don't worry so much about the goal. How many in here are goal-oriented? How many in here focus on the goal? How many in here strive to reach the goal? I'm disappointed in myself a little bit. Well, a whole lot. And some things need to change. In my response, in my perspective, and in my life concerning the rest, entering the rest, walking in the rest. And I, these are the things that, that mean something to me as we talk about that. So I'm going to share them tonight. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. What is so big, what he's done, is so big. And he, he being Yeshua, what he's done for us. All right, we're going to get started on it. We'll get a drink of water. Without spilling it. Let me lay this microphone down. Thank you, brother. That's what he said. I'll never leave you or forsake you. 
and a friend that sticks closer than a brother. My peace I give. The Holy Ghost. Whew. All right. Y'all ready? Entering the rest. Shalom. How you like that? We talked last week about through the, I can't remember how it went exactly, through the ages and through the generations, this mystery that has been revealed, which is the, the mystery that's been revealed in the Gentiles, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Remember that? That's been hidden. The types and the shadows in the Old Testament that speak of the things that really make all the difference in the world for a human being, the cross and what Yeshua did there. And so tonight I want to read as a, as a precursor and how to get going on this thing what Yeshua said. So these letters are written in red. This is John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Not as the world gives do I give to you. I'm going to do something different. So the world says in peace, peace comes from taking things away, right? From going to the mountains, going to a quiet place. And that's peace. In the kingdom, peace is an addition of something or someone. You don't take things away. You can go, you can go steal away. You can go to the quiet place. But it's the addition of our great high priest, the author and finisher of, of it all, the Alpha, the Omega, Emmanuel, God with us. When you add him, you add peace. And anything different than that is not true peace. We've got a, a there's a, a, a daily devotional called Streams in the Desert. And I've asked Christopher if he would read an excerpt from, it's June 13th, which I don't know if that day means anything to you. Anybody in here born on that day? <laughs> Are you really? Okay. Well, this is specifically for you tonight. No, I... <laughs> It just happened to be, you want this microphone? And just just go ahead, brother. All right, so this is the June 13th entry in this uh, Streams in the Desert devotional. <clears throat> Two painters each painted a picture to illustrate his conception of rest. The first chose for his scene a still, lone lake among the far-off mountains. The second threw on his canvas a thundering waterfall with a fragile birch tree bending over the foam. And at the fork of the branch, almost wet with the cataract spray, sat a robin on its nest. The first was only stagnation. The last was rest. Christ's life outwardly was one of the most troubled lives that ever lived. Tempest and tumult, tumult and tempest, 
the waves breaking over it all the time until the worn body was laid in the grave. But the inner life was a sea of glass. The great calm was always there. At any moment, you might have gone to him and found rest. And even when the human bloodhounds were dogging him in the streets of Jerusalem, he turned to his disciples and offered them as a last legacy, my peace. Rest is not a hallowed feeling that comes over us in church. It is the repose of a heart set deep in Yahweh. My peace I give in times of deepest grief, imparting calm and trust and my relief. My peace I give when prayer seems lost, unheard. Know that my promises are ever in my word. My peace I give when thou art left alone, the nightingale at night has sweetest tone. My peace I give in time of utter loss, the way of glory leads right to the cross. My peace I give when enemies will blame, thy fellowship is sweet through cruel shame. My peace I give in agony and sweat, for mine own brow with bloody drops, drops was wet. My peace I give when nearest friend betrays, peace that is merged in love and for them praise. My peace I give when there's but death for thee, the gateway is the cross to get to me. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. My peace. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give. What an awesome thing. What an awesome opportunity to take him up. To take him up on that offer. Not as the world gives do I give, but my own way. Y'all get that tonight? You understanding that tonight? Where we want to go, what we want to do, who we want to be, to me right now is tied up in how we respond to his offer. We're not going to be, I'm not going to be the man I'm called to be until I operate in rest, until I operate in peace, until I operate in the Sabbath. Until I operate in Jubilee. He's made a way. And before I get in, <clears throat> get a little more into it, I want to, if I can, touch on what Mark's been saying about the in and out lifestyle and what Benjamin's been saying about the secret place and the marketplace. But Mark brought a word about how David had a choice between the ephod and the sword, right? And it wasn't just any sword. There's just, when I read these passages, I think about and try to put myself in that situation. Do y'all ever do that? Try to live in that? Try to move in that? So David walks up. He's in a bind. And he sees an ephod and he sees a sword, the sword of Goliath. Is that right? Did he have a choice? He could have chosen. What, what your point was that day was he could have chosen peace, the ephod, the high priest. Or he could have chosen war. And what we read was he chose war, correct? But here's what I think about. 
one of the greatest men who ever lived, who says that they, they called Yeshua the son of David. Now, I know Bathsheba's, Bathsheba's in-laws might have a little different point of view on him, you know, but he was a great man. And Yahweh says he was awesome, and he was a man after his own heart. But as he moved into higher and higher realms, so to speak, this is what I see, my point of view. Like I said, it's just a, per, a perception of what happened. When he walked in there and saw the ephod and saw the sword, and, and they told him it was Goliath's sword, what a temptation. What a temptation. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It wasn't just a sword, it was Goliath's sword. You don't think he remembered how it felt? One of the greatest days of his life is when he cut the head of Goliath off in front of the whole nation of Israel. And he moved and was a hero. And Yahweh tempted him. And he said, what are you going to do? And he said, I choose war. It was not just a sword. It was not just a small temptation. We are free moral agents. We have the choice to walk in the things that Yahweh has laid out ahead of us. And David, at that time and in that place, chose the most spectacular. There's, nothing, there's not another one like it is what it said in the scripture, right? There's no sword like it. And that was your message that day, right? Did I get it right? He tracked on war and there was problems. He laid his hand to it. And I'm not picking on David. I'm just using it as an example. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Am I going to continue to do the things I've always done? Or am I going to believe him? I believe. That's all, I'm, that's all it is. Remember, it's stuff simple. I believe. I believe in you. I believe in your provision. I believe in what you've said. I believe in who you are. I believe in the ways you've shown up in my own life to make it real to me. I believe. Peace. Peace. So how did it turn to peace when we know that man's sinful? And in the Passover, we saw where the blood on the door, and what did it say? When I see the blood, I'm going to pass right over. The judgment, the wrath of God is turned away because of the blood. So there's really no way to talk about rest or peace or the Sabbath without getting a little bit into Hebrews, is there? We've heard some awesome messages from this pulpit in Hebrews. So I'm treading in some areas here. But like I said, it's a little different perspective. You know, each person has their own perspective. Labor. Say labor to enter the rest. Say labor to enter the rest. Hebrews chapter 5. Verses 5 through 11. 
The caption says, a priest forever. We're going, we're going to talk about Yeshua here for a little while. <laughs> Is that all right? We're going to talk about Yeshua for a little while here. I just, I can't help it. I just, he's just so good. And every time I really, when I catch my breath and, and get excited about the things of God, the Holy Ghost rams me kind of right back into, <laughs> into Yeshua. It really feels like that. So let's start with verse 5. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, who's he? The father said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all whom obey, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say. And hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. You can leave that last part off. He was talking to somebody else. <laughs> so last week we talked about Abraham and Isaac. Remember? And I, had, I basically had a, had a meltdown one day on this, on this subject. And, and I asked a question. You, if you remember, he, we'll, we'll touch on it real quick. He uh, Yahweh called to Abraham and he said, Abraham, Abraham, go, go offer your son as a burnt, burnt offering, a burnt sacrifice to me in a place I'm going to show you. And they traveled three days, right? And we talked about how little Isaac carried the wood up and how the type in the shadow of that was Yeshua with the cross. And how when Abraham got up, you know, put him on the altar, raised the knife, he said, stop, don't move, Right? And they looked up and there was a ram caught in the thicket. Remember? And he was caught by his crown. He was caught by his horns. And I'm, like I said that night, I know if you went up there and touched it, there'd be some thorns on that. I mean, I just know there has to be, right? It's the curse. Thorns represent curse. And he, and he sacrificed it instead of sacrificing his son. And so in that moment, Yahweh saved his son, Right? He saved Isaac's son. Then you fast forward and you think about Yeshua in the garden, right? Think about that with his knees in the ground, pressed into the ground. And it says right here, let's read through this real quick right here. He had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. vehement cries and what did Yahweh do he turned away from him remember y'all remember how that happened and you ask why and you say why why would he do that because he wants to offer us and he had a 
he had a love for his people. He had a love for mankind. And he wanted to make a way. And the way to do that was to let his son go to the cross for without the remission of without blood being spilled, there's no remission, right? All right, let's continue to read on. Hebrews chapter 8. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I'll remember no more. In that he says, a new covenant he has, made with the he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete is growing old and ready to vanish away. A new covenant. You remember when Moses came down from Mount Sinai? He said, Moses, build me a tabernacle based on what I showed you in the mountain. Right? So he put up a tent type structure outer court inner court the holy and then the holy of holies right isn't that right i say that just to make sure i'm tracking right okay and if y'all well i know that i am but anyways <laughs> so the priest the old covenant required a sacrifice and Aaron was the first, first high priest. And then the, the tribe of Levi became like the worker priest, right? And the, and the garb, the apparel of the priest was linen. And it was white. And under the old covenant, the priest offered sacrifices. Lambs, bullocks, goats. And really, it was just a way. He's so gracious. So Yahweh, when he came down the mountain, he gave him the Ten Commandments. But he also gave him a way, if he messed up, if you messed up, to get back in good graces with him. Have you ever thought about that? This, this isn't about getting blistered. This is about realizing what is correct and true and right and righteous and favoring those things. So the, high, the priest, the regular priest, the Levitical priest, wore white linens. And it was a tunic or a shirt, kind of long like a flower sack looks like, best I can tell, with a hole cut in it. And then he had some waterboard shorts, a long, like, sir, I better not. But anyways, they had, they had a pair of shorts, white linen shorts, right? Then they had a sash, and then they wore a turban. And that's what the regular priest wore under the old covenant. Now, he says this covenant's going away. I'm going to do a new covenant, right? And all my people are going to know me. I'm not, going to set a, I'm not going to set a place up or a system up to where you can't come see me. But we still got to deal with a sin thing. We still got to deal with unrighteousness. We still got to deal with 
the issue at hand if you want to enter into the fullness, right? Some of this is pretty elementary, but so, so the Levites, they're in their white, white linen, you know, not sweating too much. But the high priest, under the old covenant, the high priest, who Aaron was the first, the high priest, he had a little different deal. There were four pieces, basically four pieces in the Levitical, the regular, I'll call them Levitical priest. Four pieces. And there were four more pieces of, of clothing that the high priest wore. And I want to make sure I remember all this because I don't want to go dig it up again. But the ephod, you know, was there. They had, a, they had some gemstones here on their shoulder. And on one side was six names of the, the tribes of Israel on the other side. And it had a hook. And then the ephod, it was, it was doubled. So it was, a, it was a long piece of garment made of scarlet, blue, and gold thread. And then they put the 12 stones, each one representing the 12 tribes. Isn't that correct so far? And then the high priest had a, under that, had a blue gown like another tunic. And on the bottom of it, alternating, was a bell and a pomegranate. And a bell and a pomegranate. And a bell and a pomegranate. Let's just say that over and over again. And a bell and a pomegranate. And just think about when the man walked. I mean, just, shh, I, I hear him. Woo, the type and the shadow of our high priest. I hear him, shh, little, little bell dinging, little bells all around dinging. And the pomegranate, to me, which repre represents the passion, human passion to me. Now, it may have a bunch of other definitions, but just passion and presence passion and presence and a sound and just a gentle walk when he walked through the place. And then on his turban he had a gold piece of gold that tied in the back. It had blue cord and it said holiness unto the Lord, holiness unto God. His mind was covered. His mind was covered with holiness. His thoughts were holy. And he said that, that covenant's going away. That's what it said in there. That covenant's going away. And we've got a new priest. We've got a new high priest. We're going to read about him. Guess who he is? <laughs> All shall enter. A new covenant. I love you so much that I'm going to send my son. I love you so much I'm going to make a way. I love you so much that me and you are going to, we're going to know each other through my spirit. That's, what, that's, the way I, that's what I hear. And then he offers us peace as a reward of that. We'll get, we'll get into that again in a minute here. So Hebrews chapter 9. 
verse 11 through 15. All right, this, this is where... This is where things change. Say it's done. It's finished. It's over. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation but with the blood of goats and calves not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer and the sprinkling of the unclean sanctifies for the purif purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit... There's Holy Ghost... If y'all are wondering, getting, getting down on me. <laughs> offered himself, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Cleanse your conscience. Say, cleanse my conscience. From dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Bam! Boom! What else do we need to talk about, huh? It's done. Right? The old's passing away. The ephod, brother, the ephod. So what did Yeshua do? What went on? Who's heard of the Day of Atonement? Once a year. The Day of Atonement, the high priest, we'll talk about the old, it says it's fading away, but it's almost gone, so let me, but during, in the old system, there was a Day of Atonement, right? Is that correct? One day, one day out of the year. And the high priest, it was a pretty neat ceremony, and it overlays with, with the cross, of course, if you look. Of course, if you're always looking for the cross, you kind of find it in a lot of places. <laughs> but they talked about on the Day of Atonement, they had a bull there, a bullock, and then they had a couple lambs or goats. I'm paraphrasing on a lot of this to get, you know, the point. But they turned one loose, the scapegoat. That was on the Day of Atonement. Y'all heard the, about that, correct? Yeah. And about how... They would lay the sins on the goat, lay hands on him, lay sins on him, and then the people would jeer and it would run off into the wilderness. And there's, there's a point of view out there that says when Yeshua, who laid on top of all that, you know, whenever Barabbas was offered to the people, this thing lines up right perfect. It lines up right perfect if you look. But Barabbas, that's what he was, a murderer. And, and, and when they turned him loose, that's what that, it was all lining up with the Day of Atonement. It was all lining up with what he said over Passover. Remember, the Sabbath was coming that day that Yeshua was on the cross. So, the day, so back in the Old Covenant, the priest took the blood 
Now, most of the priestly duties were out, outside and in the first. So you've got the outer court with the bronze laver. No, yeah, no, with the altar of sacrifice and then a laver to wash your hands. So you had the, the horns of the altar. You hear him talk about the horns of the altar. They, they made most of the, sacri the sacrifices were out there where they killed the actual animals. And then behind that was a, was a laver. They could wash their hands and wash their feet. And then there was a little building that had some curtains around it. And when you stepped into that, you had the, the, the menorah, which was the, uh, the lampstand, golden lampstand. And then across from that, you had the table of showbread. And then you had the table of incense or the altar of incense. And then right behind that, was another curtain that was the Holy of Holies. And inside of that was the Ark of the Covenant, correct? And one time a year, Yahweh allowed the high priest under the Old Covenant to come into that Holy of Holies. And he made atonement for the nation. And Scripture says that when he put the blood, when the high priest went in and put the blood on the mercy seat, that Yahweh's presence would come and dwell between the cherubim, signifying he had, he had accepted that year's offering. Isaiah talked about it. And in the King James it said, with twain he covered his feet, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he did fly. And they cried one to another, holy. And it came back, holy. Holy, holy. This is the place we're talking about. We're talking about the holiest of holy, holy, holy. No strife, no worry, the presence of Yahweh. And when that high priest went in and put the blood on the mercy seat and the presence showed up, I accept the offering. I accept what's been given to me. Didn't we just read that? What Yeshua did. Can we read it again? You mind? <clears throat> but Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not this creation, not of this creation but with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purif purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. That those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Coit and I, we do a lot of talking kind of back and forth. We have for years. And, uh, 
he'll claim some revelation on me, and then I'll claim some revelation. But we're usually we're usually tracking pretty good, and and we talk a lot about <clears throat> the cross, really, and how you know that song that says his hands were nail scarred and his side was riven. And remember the day that Yeshua died. He says, it's finished. Into my hands I commit my spirit. Well, let me back up. John the Baptist, knee deep, standing in the River Jordan, looks up. This is before Yeshua goes, you know, before he started his ministry. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, and immediately the dove comes, right? Holy Spirit. He's filled with the Spirit works his ministry, goes to the cross. The dove led the lamb. Like we talked about last week, the dove led the lamb. He led him to the cross. He led him to slaughter. He led him to do his, the duties of the high priest. And so when Yeshua was on the cross, he says, I give up my spirit. It's finished. It's done. It's over with. I've finished what I'm supposed to do. And it says that, the, that the, the guards came around, the centurions came around, and, and they broke the legs of the other two. But Yeshua was, was not there. And so he poked his side. And I've always felt like he hit him in the lungs because <sighs> the breath, the breath. And just think about what Scripture says. Scripture says that blood and water came out and how... That blood represented a remission of sins and how that blood, how that water represented life. And we're going to read about those, those happenings right here in this next passage, unless I took it out. But how during that time it said the veil was rent, the veil of the, most, the holy of holies, Right? When it was rent from the top to the bottom. It said also that his flesh was pierced. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit was released in the earth. Now he came 50 days later at Pentecost. But the blood and the water representing Yeshua and the Holy Ghost together. And it's, it's important to see that. Let's look uh, in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Yeshua, by a new and living way which we which he which he consecrated for us through the veil that is the flesh and having a high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience sprinkled with blood and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, 
not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another as so much more as you see the day approaching. When his flesh, which represents the veil, was ripped and split and riven, and blood and water came out, the presence of Yahweh was released in the earth. And the, and the remission, the vessel, had the opportunity to be cleaned out for Christ in you, the hope of glory, through the blood. Believe in our hearts, confess with our mouth, we will be saved. And then the Holy Spirit comes and guides and directs. So now, a person lives and walks and has their being through the direction of the Holy Spirit and walks upright before the Lord because of what Christ did. Hey, it's a little more chill in here tonight. I know I'm not screaming as much as I used to. I'm trying to, I want to try to, I'm trying my best to try to teach, and I'm not a teacher. And so I'm not, I'm, I don't want to, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get out, release in this, in this place what's happened and how this rest thing is a big deal. Because now we're going to get, we're going to get into what, another verse where Yeshua has invited us to come. But do you see where when, I tell you, the grave, when they went to the gravesite after Yeshua, you know, and it, it James and uh, Peter and John talk about racing there. But the one that gets me is Mary. Mary Magdalene. And she shows up and she looks. And the gardener comes up to her. And here's what gets me. I mean, she's like, can you tell me where they laid him? Can you tell me where they put him? Just tell me. Tell me where they put him. I just want to know where he is. And there's some thought out there, and there's a point of view, and I'm, I like it, that Yeshua was standing there. He was the gardener. And when he said her name, she recognized him. Remember? She recognized him. And said, oh, Rabbi, Rabboni. And went to hug him. And he says, don't touch me. I haven't ascended to my father. And I heard, I heard a guy say the reason she didn't recognize him was because he had the robes, the ephod, and the, and the clothes of the high priest on. I have not yet ascended to my father. Don't touch me. I've got a work to do. I'm going to solve this once and for all. I'm going to atone sin. I'm going to turn away the wrath of God. I'm going to be everything he called me to be. I'm a good boy. I'm an obedient son. And through his sufferings, he learned obedience. He was chastened. He was beat upon. He was rejected. He was betrayed. But he stayed focused. He did not Leave the rest. His inside was a sea of glass when his body was beaten. When they called him everything but good, he kept that inner peace. 
And that's what he's offering. My peace. My peace. My peace. And the confidence that he had. The confidence that he had in his relationship with his father. And what his daddy was going to do for him. He's offering that through the Holy Spirit. So this guy saying that he hadn't gone to, so he's in his high priest. He's going, he was the lamb. Then he changes to the high priest. Goes to the holy of holies, presents the blood, and once and for all, enmity between man and enmity between God is over. One way. I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. And when that side was split and the Ruach Kadesh that was in him, yes, he gave up his spirit. But don't forget, he was baptized with the Holy Spirit too. The Holy Spirit came on him. And because of that, blood and life and life and sanctification and sanctification and life, and that just mingles together. And just like the golden thread that wrapped around the blue and the red on the ephod and the, that made the, made the Holy of Holies holy, because it was set apart. What Yeshua did and the foundation that has been laid in this house about praying in the Holy Ghost, being guided, letting the dove lead the lamb, letting the, letting the dove lead us. Where is he going to lead us? We'll find out. we got one more verse we want to look at tonight. Matthew 11. I want us to get it. The mystery that's been hidden from the ages and through the generation has now been revealed through the saints. That was 2,000 years ago. Matthew 11, uh, 27 through 30. The caption at the top of the paragraph says, Yeshua gives true rest. Chapter 27. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A couple years ago, me and Coit were going to Alabama and he had a, a teaching by Graham Cook. Y'all heard of Graham Cook? And he really broke this, this down in a good way. It was about entering the rest. And, you know, I'm, I'm not endorsing him, but I'm just saying it's a pretty good teaching if you want to look it up. And if you look at some of the 
the keys in here, and really what got me and what's been grinding on me was is, is when he says that his yoke. And so a yoke represents work, right? Rest doesn't mean we're not going to do anything. There's a better place than escape is what he's saying. There's a better, there's a higher elevation than take this, take this issue away from me. You hear, you hear what I'm, and it's called the rest of, of God. Yeshua was the sacrifice, was the high priest, made a way for Holy Ghost, prayed the Father for the Holy Spirit to come. It's better that I go away. For one, for one reason, for us to be in relationship with his Father. It says all the things are given to the Son and he's going to reveal Yahweh to, to whom he wants to. That's what it says. And so this issue with the yoke, it's work. Labor to enter the rest. How can that be? And, and what really has, has gotten me about it is uh, when we're in, our, we're, we're in these situations, my response. And it ain't been good. And I wonder why things are the way they are. When the whole time, it's cost him everything. It's cost him everything to make a way. And he's invited us here. Take my yoke upon us. For my yoke is it. Take, we're going to work. So when you get into a yoke, been told that the young ox will get hooked up with an older and more powerful and mature ox, and he'll teach him how to he'll teach him how to work. My response to situations: Am I going to believe or am I not? Am I going to walk in this thing that that the high priest of our confession has made for us or not? What am I going to do? Has apostle built in me, pounded on me, loved on me, taught on me, taught me? What am I going to do with it all these years? 49 going into the 50. He walked with me all the way of my adult life. And he's got me right here at Jubilee. Jubilee, rest, shalom, peace. See, I could get all excited about that stuff. I'm trying to, <laughs> I just want to want make sure that I don't skip over the fundamentals. It's done. It's more than remission of sin. It's more than remission of sin. It's an invitation to come into a higher realm and to operate in a higher realm. But I can't do that when I'm negative. I can't do that. When, when the words of my mouth don't line up with the truths of Yahweh. And he says I'm more than a conqueror. He says it's finished. He says in every situation I'm going to give you the words. He says I have good things for you. I know the thoughts I have for you. They're not bad thoughts, they're good thoughts. Look at what I've done. How much more, can, how much more real can I make it? 
So in our so in our current, for me at least, lukewarm is a strong word in the Bible. Everybody wants to say their heart is pure, that their heart is good. And after a long period of time, I mean, you've proven that. But if your mind is so full of the Babylon, I saw a movie one time, and it's Eastern mysticism, so I'm, I know I'm in a church, but... Uh, the Last Samurai. Y'all ever see that movie? There's a it's Tom Cruise and he's a a cowboy that goes over to Japan to help them modernize their army, and he's got so many skeletons that he's just it kind of derails the whole thing. But he gets Shanghai and is in a camp with the samurai. He gets nabbed, and they don't kill him because they want to know at what he did when he fought the Indians, and that was a lot of his problem, and he was an alcoholic, yada, yada, yada. But he gets to this point where he's, he's fighting. Now, we're talking about rest, okay? But I'm going to use a fighting analogy. So, did y'all see, did you see that movie? He's got, his, he's got his training samurai out, sore. And he keeps getting whipped and knocked upside the head. And this young boy comes running up to him, and he says, too many minds. Too many minds. Mind on people. Mind on enemy. Too many minds. How many days, how many hours can I multitask and not be lukewarm? I'm talking to me now. I'm not talking to you. How much, how much information do I need? I told you I get him a pickup truck. There's 15, there's, I don't want to exaggerate. We're teaching, don't try to. So there's, there's four or five buttons here on the left, right? Front windows, back windows. There's mirrors. All right, you go to the steering wheel. Volume controls up and down. Telephone, right? Cruise control. You got the speedometer. You got the tachometer. You got a box in the middle that flashes built Ford Tough. You got another box over there. You got another knob. It's not hot, cold. It's seven adjustments in between to get it just right. You got seat warmers. You got head warmers. You got feet warmers. And all I'm trying to do is drive. You hear what I'm saying? All I want to do is get down the road. Now look, those conveniences are nice. It's pretty sweet when the phone rings and I hit the button and I'm talking to my wife. You know, I don't have to do anything. Don't get me wrong. But get me wrong. You know what I mean? It's a distraction. He's kicking my butt is what he's doing. And it's causing me not to operate where I need to be operating. It's information overload. It's multitasking overload. Let's go back to the garden like we talked about. You had the tree of life and you had the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Tree of knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. Right? The Jews seek a sign, the Greeks seek knowledge. Information. How much information do I need?
We talk about a renewed mind in Christ operating at a high level. Only way for that thing to be renewed is to, to go under the blood of the cross where the blood and the water comes out and cleanses it, purifies it. I really feel like we're a bunch of, we're zomb I'm a zombie sometimes. You know, that doesn't sound very spiritual. I got this thing out and I'm having to do this and that and the other. Lukewarm. It's the same result. You see what I'm trying to say? Your heart can burn, but if your mind, what did, uh, what did Johnson say? Your mind's a terrible, is a great servant, but a terrible master. How do we keep focused on the things that are important to move us into where we need to be? And I want to operate in the rest. I want to operate in peace. I want every judgment to be filtered that way. But we're going to do work. We're going to yoke up with him. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And that's what his promise is. That's what his promise is for us. But if we're distracted all the time, it's a problem. It's a problem for me. So... I just, I just found myself desiring a different position, desiring a different point of view. And it's not so much that if they're not the, his truths, if they're not banking on what he's done for us, there's no way to enter. There's no way to take him up on what he's done. And just like Apostle who's worked so hard in my life, what am I going to do? But how much more the Son of God has done for us. Yeah. And you know his daddy lined it up because he says, I don't do anything that I hadn't seen my father do. I don't do anything. And when we look at the scripture, it says, this thing's going to be available to everybody. I'm going to make a way. We're going to atone this sin. We're going to atone this situation where the wrath and the judgment of God is turned away from man. When he enters my provision, when he walks in my provision. So I didn't think it funny whenever Mark asked if I wanted to speak this month and, it, and the, on the chalkboard up there it says, I'll give you rest. Do we see tonight how the rest is possible? Do we understand tonight that the high priest took care of, the, of, our, of our, our enmity between us and Yahweh? Do we see what the most potent chemical substance in my mind to ever drip on the face of the earth has done? It's turned away his wrath. It's turned away his judgment. You know, we think about hell. I don't know if he sends anybody to hell. He's made provision. If you just don't get there, then that's what's going to happen. But he's made a way. And he wants us to walk in it. And I'm not trying to manipulate when I say this, but I know Apostle wants us to walk in it. And he operated in it. He operated in it. And he made a way.
What's my response going to be? What's my... Nobody knows what's in our spirit and what's in our heart until we speak it. I think I've been doing pretty good. It's been in my mind. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm just being honest tonight. Until you speak it, until you, until you speak it into existence, nothing's going to change. Nobody knows your position. Or they do know your position. Oh, that ain't going to work. I knew that wasn't going to happen. You know, we get disappointed. We get delusioned sometimes. Weary and well-doing. And the way, to, the way to overcome that is to renew our minds in Christ. To renew our hearts. Years ago, we, I, I'm fixing to close, but I've talked about the cat we had when Samuel was little, you know, and some of y'all remember that story. But there was actually two occasions. In the first one, he got ran over, you know, by a vehicle. And uh, I didn't want to bum Yahweh, pray, pray for a cat, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing that. I don't know if Samuel's ever heard this. but So I was like, hey, buddy, whose cat is he? he Samuel was real young. The cat was kind of a three-quarter grown adolescent orange tabby. We named him Milo. And uh, Milo was hurt pretty bad back in. I said, hey, buddy, whose cat is it? And he said, he's mine. I said, well, then you pray for him. So I didn't hear what he said. I left. A couple days later, we got him back from the vet. And uh, so I said, this is a good teaching moment. I'm going to, you know, be apostolic here, you know, get to go do some instructing. So... <laughs> Little cat's laying there, and he's doing pretty good, and Samuel's down there petting him. I said, hey, buddy. Milo, look here. He's done good. He said, I pray. he said, you prayed for him to be healed. Look at him. He's doing well. He says, no, Dad. He turned and looked at him. He said, no, Dad. I didn't pray for him to be healed. I prayed for him to live. And that just hit me. Do you hear what we're saying tonight? Yeshua came to be the high priest. Not to heal you so you can live. If we'll operate in this rest, we're not going to have to worry about signs, wonders, and miracles. We're going to live, and everything will flow out of that. Do you get what I'm saying? True life. When you look back in the garden, there's, we, I was, see, that's that negativity. I, I didn't, you know, just have, I'm over there talking about the knowledge. What about the other? What about life? What about life? Living to get the river flowing. Life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The second story with Milo, we're up, we moved up the country. We got a street light in the yard. And there was another cat in the area. He was black, solid black. And Milo. And so... I'd get out there on the front porch and I'm gonna, I would pr be praying and stuff. And if you prayed in the spirit out loud, he would come to you. So I knew he was a spiritual cat. <laughs> he just was. So I'm sitting on the front porch at night in a rocking chair, just praying in the spirit, you know, and the street lights out there and the light is shining. And there's a vehicle 
and it cast a shadow. It cast a shadow across the yard. And I was praying in the spirit, and Milo, and I should have known it was him, he got up and started coming to me, and I thought it was the other cat. And I said, there's the old black cat. Well, when Milo stepped into the edge of the light, I saw his nose and then his ears. And he was a, he was a pretty tabby orange kind of swirl, you know, light and dark and medium orange, kind of swirled up. Big old, he was grown then. This was many years later. And immediately Holy Spirit said, sometimes the circumstances of life will cast a long, dark shadow over you. But until you come into the light, your true identity will never be revealed. And the whole time I thought it was the other cat. And when he came in, I could see his color. And the beauty of that cat was revealed in the light. And what is the source of that life? Life. Isn't that what he says? The source of light is life. Life in him. That's what he wants for. That's all he wants for us, to live and not die eternally. Our eternal priest, our eternal savior, our eternal friend has made a way. And that's what was in my heart tonight and is in my heart tonight. What are we going to do? How are we going to respond? Are we going to walk in the rest? Are we going to walk in the peace? Are we going to walk in the Sabbath? Are we going to say shalom to each other and encourage each other? To do everything that Yeshua has paid for us to do. It's been in the heart of the Father from the very beginning since the foundation of the world. To walk with man. To restore the garden to him. And he's made a way. He's made a way. Not only for us to be free of sin. But to ascend and to, to, to step into the holy place. Where there is no strife. There is no issue. They cried, holy, 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 peace. And I want to leave you tonight with the bell of the high priest walking. little jingle here, pomegranate. We got a bell. We got a pomegranate. We got a bell. We got a pomegranate all around the hem of his garment. And as he walks, listen for him tonight. Listen for him tomorrow. Listen for him in the noonday. And when the world, why do the nations rage? And why do people plot vain things? And when they're groping at noonday, the sun's up as bright as it can be and they can't see. But listen, listen, listen. That's our, that's our plea. That's our cry. Don't get so busy in our work, everyday work, in our everyday affairs. Let's yoke up with him and operate in a position of peace, in a position of life, in a position of rest, in the Sabbath. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you.